It went from five, 25 after to 25 of, okay? <laughs> John Wall, would you pray for our Sunday school? Amen. We're going to be looking at two events because I've got to combine two Sunday school classes because Brother Don Sturch was with us last week. So lesson 50 and lesson 51 and your memory verse for lesson 50 was 1 Samuel 16, 7. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. As you go down through that, that's something we need to remember. How many of you ever have judged a person real fast by their outward appearance? See, because God can see what's in a person's heart and we can't. You've got to be very careful with that. Um, <clears throat> it's not so much now, but back probably, probably even 20, 30 years ago, and then the 15, you had kids who were in school, they were goths. Remember that? They all they wore black, the girls wore black lipstick, they had black eyeshadow. They dyed their hair black and they wore black skirts or they wore black pants and they looked like something out of a, a monster movie matinee. To me it was, you know, it looked like the, trying to look like a vampire and they'd wear light colored makeup and stuff. Well, some of those are pastor's wives today. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You've got to be very careful with that, you know, because man is deceived by a person's looks. They look differently on the outside. You... Matthew chapter 3 and verse 4, they could be godly or holy on the inside. They may, not have, they may have nice clothes, um, but they could be rotten. They may not have any good clothes, and they could love the Lord and have, be rich in faith, because it's not based off material things, right? They could look very nice on the outside, but be evil on the inside, I've met people who turn around and they're so nice to your face, but they're bitter in their heart. And so they, they talk about someone, you know, well, you know, you, you, they give those uh, gossip prayer requests. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. And a person can look like a follower of Jesus on the outside, but be a follower of the devil. We live in a day, because Satan is the great imitator, isn't he? He tries to imitate Christ. The Antichrist tries to imitate Christ. And it talks about you know, the plate being clean on the outside, or the cup being clean on the outside, but inside it's full of devils. And you've got to understand that. You've got to be very, very careful. Don't be judging until you have opportunity to see the expression or the appearance of how they behave in that manner. And then realize if you're dealing with a lost person, they're lost. So you can't expect them to be like who? A saved person. And so we need to realize that as you continue to deal with people. Because, you know, you can judge them so much that you can't, you can't witness to them. Okay, and that's, that's the memory verse from the, first from the first lesson. It's going to be in cha chapter 16. We'll get to those. And then the second one, the first one is about anointing David. Because when he was looked at, 
He was ruddy in appearance. He was the youngest one. He was little compared to his brothers. But God had saw a man after his own heart. And so many people didn't know. They didn't know. You don't know what someone does outside of here. His own brothers didn't know that he'd kill the lion and the bear to protect his father's sheep. You don't know what someone has done. Okay? Second one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 127.1. And when you're going through it, do not react to the circumstances. Respond to who is your head. For God hath not given us the spirit of what? But of what? And of, and of a sound mind. We can get caught so many times with that. You know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Light lets you see things. This is talking about a spiritual light. Lets you see things in a, a different way. It's that understanding spiritual knowledge that can give you guidance. People move all the time out of reacting to something and not looking to the Lord and waiting upon Him for that move. They that what? Wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Okay, so you've got to look for the Lord in that. You know, He's my light and my salvation. There is physical salvation from a problem, from a circumstance, and then there is eternal salvation. So you can have eternal spiritual salvation eternally and then there can be physical sometimes you know how many people do you know saved they're saved for all eternity but god lets them go through struggles my daughter i you know i look at this so many times you look at the circumstances and you get discouraged when you have to look at the lord sometimes he will not save you from your physical issues because he wants you to learn to depend upon him. And you have that circumstance. You know, power is, reminds of strength. Love reminds us of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And a sound mind. We're in a day and age where people's hearts are failing them for We've had lines drawn in this country, and it's been getting worse and worse. All right? And right now, it's over Israel and the Palestinians. And our, our institutions of higher education have been pushing Islamic law and Islamic attitudes and resentment and hatred and bitterness against Israel in the universities. Fear of man bringeth the snare. But whoso put his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Proverbs 25 and verse, or 29 and verse 25. So you have the situations we have because first you find we, in chapter 16, David's anointed. In chapter 17, he's taken on a battle. Goliath of Gath. He's taken on a battle. So let's go to chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. And the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from, being, from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king amongst his sons. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 
And Samuel said, How can I go if Saul hear it? He will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Here Samuel's upset about what's happened with Saul, and he already knows that Saul is so backslidden that when Samuel's trying to do the will of the Lord, if it goes against Saul, how many Christians do you know? You turn around and you know God's shown you the will of God. But it disagrees with what that person thinks, and they're ready to stick it to you in the neck. Well, that's where you need to not have a spirit of fear. You put it before God, let God take care of the circumstances. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him with whom whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? He was the last of the, the prophets at this time, okay? Of the judges. And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. In other words, set yourselves apart. Come meet with me. We're going to sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked upon Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him because he was bigger. I mean, Saul was chosen because he was head taller than everybody else. Here he looks at this. This is a big, strong young man. This must be the one. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance nor on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse called Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are he... Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth the youngest. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance. He wasn't old enough to shave. And of a goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of the brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. And he answered one of the servants, and said, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse, <clears throat> the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, in, in playing, in mighty valiant Lord, man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse, and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David to his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly because he, was his, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me. 
for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hands, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So we see here, you know, the Lord had rejected Saul from reigning over Israel. It wasn't known to the people yet, because what did Saul do? Saul forgot it's better to obey than to... And I, I like this, you know, I, I don't like it, but almost that's the way people have an attitude when Paul saw, when something came and Samuel didn't show up fast enough, and then Saul says, I forced myself to make the sacrifice, see? I forced myself. You know, a person can be rejected by God and still be accepted by men. Ultimately, God's judgment will come to play, won't it? It'll come to fall. Saul represents the carnal life and David represents the spiritual life. The carnal always happens before the spiritual. You're lost, then you're found. Okay? You are condemned, you are forgiven. The natural reaction of man is carnal. That's Saul. You need to go to the spiritual side. And that's David. David was walking by faith in the Lord. Did he sin? Yes. The difference between David and Saul, and this is what you need to understand. If we confess our, he is faithful and just to, Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. David, a man after God's own heart, he had the same temptations. He fell into those temptations. The difference between him and Saul, Saul made excuses. David practiced repentance. Psalm 51, the psalm of David, dealing with his sin with Bathsheba. And he says unto the Lord, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this wickedness in thy sight, this evil in thy sight. Do you understand what I'm saying with that? To think that you won't sin anymore is fool's gold. You should work in your life to avoid the circumstances and the situations that make it easier for you to sin. Alcoholics shouldn't rent an apartment above a, a bar. Huh? Right? You got family members, you're giving up cigarettes, you're getting, I'm just giving, those are physical things. If you have a problem with sports, you don't go to your buddies and go watch a bunch of stuff because sports can become a god, can it? Doesn't make any difference what it is. It can be, uh, uh, <clears throat> let me see, for ladies, it could be Harlequin romance. Well, it, it can be pie. But I haven't had any pie in six months. Okay, so. No, righty. Okay, but see, whatever it is, you, what do you do? You don't put yourself in that place. It says, um, For there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape, that you what? He doesn't take it away that you can bear it, okay? Because your flesh is going to have work in your life until God calls you home. 
after the rapture or after you pass from this life to God in death, then the temptation won't be a problem. But until that day, Buddy Pecan Ice Cream sings the song of the sirens to Pastor Legault. Okay? He told Samuel to go to Jesse's house. He found a new king. He's going to anoint him. And Jesse's looking at the outward appearance, and you see that it has nothing to do with that. I want you to turn to Matthew 23. Matthew 23. <clears throat> see, a good outward appearance doesn't always parallel a spiritual life inside. Matthew 23. Now, the most religious people of, the, of Israel at the time of Jesus Christ was the Pharisees. See, and with Saul's bona fides, as far as him being righteous according to God, according to the law, was he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, strictest of the, the religious sects. Now, you ready? Look at verse 27 of Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, what? For ye are like unto the whited sepulcher, which indeed appear beautiful, beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Got to be careful about that appearance. You know, so God rejected the, the, the son of Jesse that looked like he thought physically should be. You know, God uses a measurement different than us. God uses a measurement that measures the size of your spiritual heart. It's not the pump in your chest. It's your meditator. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto soul, unto salvation. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can? Okay. Do you understand how that works? You can be deceived by your heart. What do you meditate? What you set your heart on can pull you away from God because it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all those physical needs will be added unto you. Okay? You get the picture? God's rejected those, and then he comes, and they call for David. David comes. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Got to get through this quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. This is the verses I use for my call to the ministry. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is of God, made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That is, according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him what? It's always about the Lord. Don't glory in yourself, glory about the Lord. So... <clears throat> Back in our text, 1 Samuel 16, 12 and 13, what do you see? They call him, he comes there, 
And at verse 12, it turns around and says, the end of the verse is, And the Lord said, Arise, this is to Samuel, anoint him. For what? This is he. You let God do the choosing. You do the work it's needed to bring the choice about, but you let God do the choosing. That should be true. You should encourage your young people as they look to find a spouse to spend the rest of their life with. Let God do the choosing. Better not to have what you think you want than to have what you never thought you were going to get. He saw, you know, and he saw in David what he said would be needed when Saul fell. In 1 Samuel 13 and verse 14, you don't need to turn there, it says, but now, this is when he tells, he's done with Saul, but now thy kingdom shall not continue, for the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, which thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. A man after his own heart. He looked to God. Okay, he saw me after his own heart. He had faithfulness in the little things. I made notes in my stuff here with this. Faithful in the little things. You know what it tells us in Matthew 25, 21? He talks about the parables of the pounds and the parables of the, of the talents. It says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Is that your story? Are you faithful in the little things? Do you know when we look to choose someone as a deacon, we try to look at someone who's faithful in the little things. They're getting involved. They try to do the things. They put themselves forward. They give themselves, they give of themselves, and they lose time to do some of the stuff that they want to do so that they can do the stuff that to help and be what God would have them to be. And they end up serving in the little things. If they won't serve in the little things, they don't get to what? They're serving the big things. You can't get away from that. I've had people come, so I believe God's called me to be a missionary. And they sit in the church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. They don't even have the time come on Wednesday night. But God's dealing with it. No, if that's true, then I want you to be faithful of all the service. I want you to look for a way that you can go out of your way to serve the Lord and help in the ministry of Emmanuel. If you can't do that here, if you can't do it in a safe place in the United States of America, in your own hometown, in the areas around you, what makes you think you're going to do it in a foreign land with a foreign language? David was chosen because he was faithful in the little things. He's given a job to do, take care of his father's sheep. He hazarded his life twice to save one sheep or one lamb from the bear and from, you see it? From the lion. So he was faithful in the little things. Do not despise the little things. That's where your character is built. The Spirit Lord came upon him from that day forward. And you know, in verses 24 through 20, or 14 through 23 in this chapter, the Spirit came upon David. It departed from Saul. An evil spirit was permitted to afflict Saul, and he became at times like a madman. We could go look at those verses. You find it in 1 Samuel 18, 10, and 11, 1 Samuel 19, verse 9 and 10. An evil spirit would come upon him. 
The music would soothe him. Music can't change a deep-seated heart issue. But godly music can help relieve temporary symptoms. Phyllis Demarest, five years with cancer, had the largest collection of Christian music any woman I ever saw in my life, any person. I mean, a couple hundred CDs. She'd play them all day long. And she maintained a sweet spirit while her spine was eaten up within her. When she had Huntington rods stick out through her skin and her back because there was no vertebrae in the middle of it. And that's what held the upper and lower part of her spine together. There was no fusing her back. She had four vertebrae that were gone. 200 and some odd people came to her funeral. Her oncologists, the oncologist nurses, the nurses that ministered to her, 40 people came from Rochester. Medical people, because of that woman's testimony, to get through her pain, she used godly Christian music. What do you listen to? Is it, listen to woe was me, they shot my dog, my wife took off? Twang, twang, twang. Well, I don't listen to rock music. No, you listen to country western. You lost your dog, you lost your house, you lost your car. I'm not, I don't care what you listen to. I listen to all different types of music, but I want you to understand something. There's music that's going to minister to your spirit. There's music that appeals to your emotions, and there's music that appeals to your flesh. All you got to do is play certain music around a little kid, and you watch their body start moving. All right? So, music does have an effect, and you can see that here. And so God was opening doors for David, and he became a minister to Saul and became his armor bearer. He went from taking care of sheep to being the armor bearer, going into battle with the king of Israel, who was always supposed to lead his troops into battle. That brings us to chapter 17. Jeez, I made it. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together in Shokoth, which belongeth to Judah. See, they're, they're, on God's, they're on God's people's ground because they're afraid. And pitched between Shokoth and Ezekah in Ephazdamon, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched it by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and the Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. <clears throat> That's the valley of decision. How many times in your lives you, you seem like you're on safe ground but you've got to go down into that valley to make the choice. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He was approximately somewhere between nine foot six and twelve feet tall. He's at least ten feet tall. That's a big dude. He had a helmet and brass on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat of the mail was five thousand shekels of brass. To calculate his armor weighed somewhere a little over 150 pounds. That's the weight of some of you ladies in here. Huh? Excuse me. That's more than the weight of some of you ladies in here. You've got to be careful what I do with that. That's half of me. 
And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of a spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear had weighed 600 shekels of iron. One, one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your, your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? And ye servants of Saul, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then ye shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. You know, and Saul, Saul, Saul's men and them, they were afraid. You look at verse 12, and David, the son of, Ephraim, of the, that Ephraimite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. The man went among the men for an old man in the days of Saul. And so you have this, and Jesse, David was sent by Jesse from taking care of the sheep. I'm going to save time in the story and to go and check on his brothers in the battle. And they're all afraid. You know, and Saul came, or yeah, Goliath came down 40 days. I, I was teaching my, my grandsons that 40 is the, a number of testing in the Bible. Numbers do make a difference in the Bible, and 40 is the number of testing. Jesus was tested 40 days and 40 nights. Israel was 40 years in the wilderness. Something happens when a person turns 40. There's a testing there. Well, Goliath of Gath, he's challenged them 40 days. He's making them look like fools, and they won't fight. You know, in the meantime, you know what's happening with that? They wouldn't send a champion down. They didn't trust anybody could defeat him. They looked around, and they said, how do I take on somebody that size? We can't even carry his armor. We can't even put it on. How can I fight him? How can I fight that circumstance? How can I fight the cancer? How can I fight that bad marriage? How can I fight my financial situation? I can't do that. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So they're all afraid to fight. David's supposed to go get a report of the battle and take it back to his father. And he looks at these men. He's not in the army. He's still out taking care of the sheep. He was below draft age. Let's skip over. Let me see here. Uh, verse 26 of 17. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done unto the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Because they were being mocked. Reproach. And who... For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy who? Don't look at you. Look at who you're part of the army with. Whose army are you in? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done unto the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, the one that Samuel wanted to choose, but was told no, Heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know there's a mistaken attitude on pride here, isn't there? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest, be, mightest see the battle. 
You stand for God and people are going to point fingers at you and say, you think you're better than me. Just because you're a Baptist, just because you claim to be a born-again Christian, you think you're better than me. Well, you're not. You're this, 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 and this. And yet people, oh, geez, I've been, maybe I shouldn't stay here. Maybe I shouldn't be on the street corner. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't hand out that track. I got these people all upset at me. Maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe, baby. Okay? He got accused of that. You know, there was no honor in his own house. His oldest brothers calling him a little jerk. That's what he did. What's David's response? Verse 29. What have I now done? Is there what? Always remember that in your life. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Saul had made a promise, whoever could kill Goliath of Gath is going to be married to his daughter. That brave person, you know, if we looked at verse 25, we skipped it. You'd see they received riches, the king's daughter for a wife, and freedom for his family. David wasn't looking at those. David didn't know what it was. David's biggest desire was to glorify God. This guy was not just defying that army. He was defying the God of that army. Is there not a cause for the name of my Savior? Though David told him to get some corn cheese and go to the camp, see how things were going. David didn't see a 10-foot giant. He saw a cause. It all depends on what you look at, doesn't it? Who you're representing. That's what it comes down to. Who do I represent with what I say, what I do, where I go? Who do I represent? David didn't see Goliath. He was upset by him being intimidated. He was upset. He was upset by a big thug who was mocking God of Israel. That was enough for him to fight. He's going to go fight. David spake, you know, stood by him saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? Take away the reproach from Israel. David wanted to demonstrate the power of God, not the power of man. That came by faith. He was little in, in Goliath's sight, and you know, we find that later on. He calls him a dog. He says, Am I a dog? You're coming out against me. He went to fulfill the challenge, right? He went to fulfill what we are for. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, and saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go. Go to your neighbor. Go to your relative. Go to your classmate. Go to the person you work with. If you do it there, maybe God will say, now go to the next town, the next state, the next nation.
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We have a cause. It's to go. How many can you quote Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 with me? For thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We're to fulfill his pleasure. Will there be giants in our lives? Yes. Will they be a physical 10-foot tall, 12-foot tall man? No. But there'll be something that's a giant to us. What are we going to do with it? David had the mindset. Is there not a cause? Put that in your mind and in your heart so when you go to make your choices, is there not a cause? Well, I can't do this too much like work, man. I can't do that. Well, you know, where, where God leads, God enables. I can remember over... Whew, it's 23. So it was back in the 1990s, and just after we'd taken Brother Paul on as being his home church, and he'd been with Brother Sean, who sent us Brother Paul. It's his, your fault that we have to deal with, do the needful. Okay. Paul says, please do the needful all the time. All right. Um, and Paul wanted to go to a certain place, and he gave a certain vision unto, to, he was telling Brother Sean here. And Sean didn't tell me about it. Paul did. And Paul said, I listened to him that day, pre preacher. I go, what do you mean? He said, if God's calling you to do that, which you're telling me, Paul, then he will provide for it. You just got to make the steps going forward because where God leads, he enables. That's what the apostle. To me, I look at, he's not the Apostle Paul, but he's the closest thing I know to him. Paul had to realize that as he steps out and does things. There's certain things he couldn't do because there just wasn't the way to do it. He went forward with it, and God closed the door for that. It wasn't that right son. He had to keep going to God sometimes till the right one came forward. Word got to King Saul that David was not afraid, and he called him. We're going to the next part of that. So, you know, you see, he said, Is there not a cause? By verse 31, the words were heard which David spake, and they came before Saul, and he sent him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. <laughs> and he goes, you know, what, How are you qualified to do so? Verse 34, David said, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. He went after him fast enough that the lion couldn't set his jaws because the lamb's not going to last very long. He's in the mouth of a bear or the mouth of the, of the lion, and he delivered the lamb. And I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Where's my 44 mag? 
And the servant, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. When you won't be faithful in that, that which God gives you to do when it's not seen by everybody else, and you deal with the, the giants that you face then, because uh, facing a bear and a lion, that's facing a giant. No one else saw it. It was just between him and God and no sheep. And the sheep, they, would, they probably bragged about him through the whole flock, but the people couldn't understand it. Can you hear it? Look what he did for me. No one knew. David just went about doing what he was supposed to do. But because he did it there, when it came time when someone else was a giant in his life and challenged him, what could he do? He knew I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, did he know it that way? No, he knew God was going to be with him. Okay? So you have that. And so he goes over. The Lord has delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, David, go. And he tried to give him his armor, and he didn't fit. So David takes five smooth stones. Why did he take five? Because there's five brothers. Five is the number of death in your Bible. Don't believe me? Study it out. I don't care about some idiot who says it's the number of grace. They want to twist it. Genesis chapter 5, verse 5, Adam dies. First man. It carries through. Five number of death, man. He's got to kill. You know what happens? Some of David's men have to kill the other brothers. But he didn't know who he's facing. You kill a brother, you know, and they, hey, I told somebody this week, amongst Muslims, Arabs and stuff, two brothers will fight each other, beat each other up until their cousin comes after them. The two brothers will fight the cousin. And then someone comes after the cousin's family. And so the brothers and the cousin will go after whoever comes after them. And they're all in the same Muslim group. They're all Shiites. Well, then a Sunni Muslim comes and comes after them. So then all the Shiites go after the Sunni. But then an Israelite's there, and so the Shiites and the Sunnis all come together, and they all fight Israel. Okay? Do you understand what it was? He thinks he's going to take on his brothers. doesn't have to. God gave him one job. He saw the job. You know, what it, you know what a call is? Seeing what's needed and doing it. There's no magic, oh, God called me. The, the clouds opened from heaven. Lightning came down and shone me, and Jesus said, you are my chosen, go do this. Oh, oh nuts. Seeing a need? Fulfilling the need. Okay? So they go ahead and they go to their fight. You know, and he takes the fight. You know, verse 40, he takes five smooth stones. He can't take the armor. He's out there in <laughs> a t-shirt and jeans. He's taking care of sheep. You know, he had his loincloth. He had out probably in his wool robe. He had on some sandals. He had a little leather satchel with the five stones in it. And he had a sling. Not a slingshot. He had a sling. You get that thing whipping, and then you let go of one side of the sling, and the rock flies out. That's how that works. And here he is, Goliath, with all this armor on. The helmet. You ever seen them? They have that thing come down through. You know, there was just enough spot when David let it go. The Lord's the one who had to direct that. The stone hits Goliath right between the eyes. He falls down. David grabs his sword, Goliath's sword, which he could barely pick up, and cuts off the man's head. 
That's the story here. And you go, oh, do you understand that? But see, Goliath looked at him and he goes, I'm not going to be afraid of you. Verse 43, And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? You're coming at me with a stick? Are you kidding me? i got a spirit that's bigger than you. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said, Comest thou me with sword and spear and shield, the things of the world? But I come to thee how? The name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. You're not fighting little old me. You're fighting him. This day will the Lord deliver, into thy, deliver thee into my hand. I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give thy carcass of the host of the Philistines these days to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And the, all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That is what we are here for, to let them know there is a God in heaven. And all the assembly shall know the Lord saveth not with sword or spear the things of the world, which we think we got to depend upon. For the battle is whose? When you make it yours, you fight in your strength. When you realize it's his, you fight in his strength. And it came to pass, and the Philistine came. So then, verse 50, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and smote the Philistine, slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. He didn't carry, even carry a sword with him. Just a satchel, you know, a little bag, leather bag with a string around his waist to hold the other stones. David ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his sword, drew it, and out of the sheath thereof, and slew him and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw it, their champion was dead, they walked. Anybody who knows how to fight realizes you take out the, the, the mouthy one, the big one first, and the others are going to run. And the men of Israel and Judah rose and shouted, Wow! <laughs> yeah, we got them! We're not afraid anymore. One little boy took on the biggest one in the other group. The Philistines all come to the valley and the, the gates of Ekron and wounded the Philistines that fell down on the way to Sherem and even to Gath, they even right to Goliath's hometown. And then to Ekron. And the children of Israel turned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire thou whose son the stripling. See, he was so small, he called him a what? Look up the word. I'm not going to tell you what it means but it's not very big. And David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, and Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand, carrying at his victory. Huh? And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou, and thou young man? And David said, I am the son of thy servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall what? If we what? As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those who 
who are of the household of faith. Don't be weary in it, okay? David's little test and experiences in private, God prepared him for something bigger publicly. Go to Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah 12, look at verse 5. How easily are you wearied? Okay, what does it take to say you've got to quit? I'm too tired today. If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, how canst thou contend with horses? You can't, you, how are you going to contend with horses? You can't keep up with the guys running. And if the land... And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest, your home serf, they wearied thee, and you got to set it aside, how wilt thou do in the swelling? When the waters, that's a dangerous time. Jordan water swells, people drowned at the river. It's a battle. It's hard to get across. You can't do what's needed. If you can't do it when it's easy, you won't do it when it's hard. You can't get away from that. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Do you ever think about this? Public power with God comes from private practice for God. It's amazing to me what God can do with any young person and a little stone. They're willing to sling it for Jesus. I love it when the kids come to the street corner. They gallow out tracks when we can't. Now him unto him is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask and think according to the power, the great power which worketh in us. He's going to do more than what we can. David took the head of Goliath to Jerusalem. David showed his father Goliath's head in 17, 17 and 18 of that. And David knew what it was like to protect and defend the sheep. He knew how to stand for God. You know what God needs today? He needs people who are willing to stand and fight. One last verse, and then we will close. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And all God's people said... Amen. Take a break.